This is a Business Disability Forum podcast sponsored by Open Inclusion, creating a more open world for everyone, from user insight to inclusive innovation. Okay, I'm delighted today to be joined by Graham Whippy, disability consultant, and we're here to have a little chat as part of our podcast series, looking at who we are, the person behind the job title. So welcome, Graham. Thank you very much, Lucy. Lovely <laughs> to be here. Good. On this warm day in sunny London. Yes, and there's me wishing that I'd actually had walked across Tower Bridge as opposed to taking an air-conditioned bus. I know. But there you go. It's always the way, isn't it? Okay, so we're here to talk about sort of the person behind the job title. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you ended up doing this role? Oh, how long have we got? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what do I do? But my standard line is that my gig in life is helping employers be brilliant at employing disabled people. So I take a a pan-business approach to disability, focusing on the employment side. So everything from the initial attraction of disabled people through the recruitment process, onboarding, making adjustments, providing support, development. And and actually, what I've come to realise is what I'm really doing is helping employers become brilliant at being inclusive employers. So if they can get it right for disabled folk, they're actually going to get it right for everybody. So, and that's yeah, a that's cliche, but it's true, isn't it? Is it is absolutely true because, you know, inclusion is, is about un- identifying, understanding and eliminating barriers. And disabled folk have generally had more barriers, dare I say, than non-disabled folk. So if you can actually get your head around that whole barrier concept and inclusion not being inclusive values and being nice and what have you, but actually think about getting rid of the grit in the machine that stops people being the best they can be. Starting with disability is actually not a bad place to start. Absolutely. And can you tell me something about what you enjoy most about what it is that you do? Oh, I think it's the variety. No, actually, that's one thing. Yes, I do like the variety. I've got a very short attention span. I get bored easily. So that, that's a trap. I think what I really like is I found a niche in life that really plays to my skills and the way my brain works. And I, I, I like working at a strategic level with C-suite execs, mm-hmm. down to helping an individual employee be better at doing what they do, being the best that they can be. And for me, it's that range of stuff that I get involved with I find hugely satisfying. And ultimately, you know, when, some, when an individual says to me, this has been a game changer, you know, what, what you've helped me do is be, be, has, has transformed the way I work and what have you. Or, or a C-suite exec saying, this has made our company a better place. Mm. It doesn't get much better than that. It's great to know you've made an impact in yes, different places, exactly. isn't it? On people, individuals yeah. and companies, the whole broad Absolutely. spectrum. Absolutely. No, I'm completely with you on that. So you've talked a bit about what you do, but yeah. I want to know, I'm going to delve deeper okay. now, Graham. I want to know a bit more about you. Right. And um, we had a bit of a catch up last week and we were talking about disability and your own sort of personal experience yes. of that. Could you share a little bit more with yes. us a little bit about of course. that? I mean, I'm going to start by saying that I do what I do, not because I have what might be called disabilities. I do what I do because I got bored of being an IT guy and I needed new challenges in life and this was a great way for me to explore different parts of me and, and my creativity and all this. So, but coming back to, to me and disability, I, I think I'm, I'm a walking example of the, of the social model. So I'm almost certainly covered by the Equality Act. Um, how? Um, I've come to realise that I'm neurodifferent. So that is going to be a combination of dyslexia, dyspraxia, and autism, there is a cluster set of symptoms anyway, but you know, I, I'm in there somewhere. I've got um, a, a long-term health condition, a hereditary health condition that gave me 100% chance of bowel cancer, 
So I now no longer have a large intestine. That was removed 25 years ago. And they keep a very close eye on the bits that are left just to make sure that they don't turn cancerous. I've got, I've got the, the normal left-handed stuff of eczema and asthma. And I've got a hearing loss. I've got tinnitus in one, one ear. My wife always says that... She actually says, you're still a bit strange. But she said, I've been married for 30 years. Yeah. So she always says, you're not quite as strange as you were. But you've had bits removed and what's left doesn't work quite so well. And I think that kind of really sums up my journey in life. You know, I've, I'm, I've, kind, I've just got this smorgasbord of stuff going on, but I don't consider myself to be disabled because the barriers I face in life are far less than the barriers that someone like you, for example, will, will face. I mean, you were talking today about just the logistical challenge of of having to have a bag and yeah so I've, I've been I've got a, a sore on my stump so I'm, yeah. I've been told by my doctor I shouldn't wear my leg yeah but I'm in London today I live in the northwest um, of England and um, there's no way logistically I can hop around on no. crutches all day long and wheel a bag along so behind me you're in a situation where you've had to make an adjustment for yourself is actually going to be yeah. slightly detrimental yeah also my hands were really starting to hurt from oh. hopping around on the crutches but oh. you know this is see it. you end up getting one thing after another <laughs> you do but I can't honestly say that my gig in life is is, is that tough I don't have face as now I'm not saying it's not challenging mm. you know I'm, I've been fortunate that in employment um, the neurodifferences that I've got, they, they've been challenging, but not to the extent that it's hindered my career. I'm, I'm a smart guy and I've kind of always worked around them. I'm articulate, that really helps. Mm. You know, I can, I can discuss my way out of situations, what have you. With my gastrointestinal condition, if my employer didn't let me take six, take my, have my six monthly appointments, um, that would be a huge barrier. That would be really detrimental to my health. So for me, you know, it's, I, I, I have what I, I have impairments and conditions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't call them disabilities, but I have huge empathy with those who do. Do you think it gives you a bit more of an insight into what other people might be going through with stuff? Yes, I do. I think the other thing, though, is because I, I, I am on the autistic spectrum somewhere at the very high functioning end. Yeah. I have this real thing about people playing by the rules. The sense of right and wrong, black yeah. and white, and what have you, and I, I get really frustrated if people don't play play by the rules, which ends up to the de- detriment of others. You know, so for me, one of my motivations when I was back in the old IT days, IT accessibility, was thinking, no, there's a right way of doing things, and if you don't do it the right way, you're going to be making it worse for people. So I think that the the, the empathy is part of it, but it's also this fact that I, I don't like people doing a doing a not such a good job and not playing by the rules. That's fair enough. You're allowed that. So um, I asked you a tricky question before we came and sat down and I said, if you could have a little think about how you describe yourself (laughs) in sort of three to five words. I know it's like the question from hell. This is like the question you don't want in an interview, isn't it? It's so difficult. Um, um, But just in terms of how you would sort of sum yourself up in a a number of words. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'll start with... Oh, God, this is really awkward, actually. I was going to say benevolent, but that sounds really weird. Okay, I like to think of myself as a generous person. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm my, one of my delights in life. Can I, can I give a word and then explain? Yeah, of course, is yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. So this benevolence, generosity thing, one of my joys in life is connecting people and, and sharing best practice. And I always believe that the more you give, the more you get back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say I'm a fairly generous person. I'm harmless. Yeah. 
which is kind of like the old Douglas Adams thing, but mostly harmless from Hitchhiker's Guide. But for me, I'd like to think that I leave a small footprint. You know, I, I like to think that people's interactions with me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a table thumper. You know the old thing about the sun and the wind? Go on. You know, the, the sort of fable about the, the, the sun and the wind had an argument about how you get the, the man's coat, coat off. The sun shines really hard and tries to do it that way, and the wind blows really hard and tries to do it that way. The sun wins. I am the sun more than the wind in life, okay? I, I think that I am sluggish. I, my brain feels like it's treacle sometimes, and it comes to networking situations, interpersonal situations, reading people. I'm paddling furiously under the water. And that's really interesting because I've known you for a few years now, yeah. Graham, and I would not have been aware of that, that the effort that that's taken, because I always think of you as a very sociable yeah. person. Yeah. Well, this is the irony, isn't it? Yeah. Because, because, I mean, it could be autism, it could just be general social anxiety. Uh, mm. but, but for me, uh, that doesn't make me antisocial. I enjoy people's company, mm. but I have to work really, really hard at those social situations. The, the introduction of double kissing, which we appropriated from our, our, our friends on the mainland of Europe. Yeah. Um, that's a real challenge for me. Because now I've gone from, do I shake hands? Do I kiss? Do I kiss both cheeks? Do I give a hug? What do I do? And, like, and it's different with different people. Don't you find that? I've almost got a checklist in my mind of yes. the people that I, oh, I I'm that level with. Oh, man, it's really tough. Yeah. So I invariably get it wrong. And so what I feel is that when I'm going into one of these situations... I'm having to think through stuff that probably other people wouldn't have to think through. Mm. And I really easily misread people as well. So situation, if I'm, I've had imposter syndrome for years, you know, it's like, how the hell did I get to do what I do? And even now, even yesterday, I'm thinking, oh, have I upset someone because I've overstepped the mark in what I've just done in arranging a meeting with the vice president of Argentina? Hey. <laughs> so well connected you? I know <laughs> I'm thinking that someone's going to tell me off for this what have I done I, I, I misread situations really really easily and I'm quite sensitive to it so that's where I would say I'm sluggish I've kind of okay. got a, a, a treacly kind of brain okay any yeah. other words you can think of that you'd like that's to throw that's in that's what we had benevolent um, we've got um, harmless harmless <laughs> uh, sluggish, sluggish passionate nice yeah oh yes and uh, the, the passion strokes single-mindedness, and I think they kind of go together. And again, I think this is an attribute of being of, of my neuro differences, is that I can filter out the world to the extent that my wife will be trying to talk to you, or one of my children will be trying to talk to me, and I simply do not hear them, and it drives them batty. But when I'm focusing on something, I'm totally single-minded, and I think that has exp that that has come out with the setup of the IT accessibility team at Lloyds Banking Group yeah. it's come out with me creating my town's Dementia Action Alliance it's, it's um, in a number of things I've done in my career over the years I've done it because I've been driven I've been passionate I don't take no for an answer I challenge the status quo and I'm pretty single minded with it it's funny people often say gosh you're, you're really passionate about this when I talk about and explain yeah. what I do yeah and they kind of do it in a kind of looking at me in a strange way in the eyes, like, you're really passionate, calm down. <laughs> but you've got to be. Yeah, you've got really, to, yeah. for anything that you're doing day to day, you've got to feel it, you've got to believe it, Can it's I, got to mean something. If, if you go into something half-arsed, yeah. I'm sorry I shouldn't say that, but if, if, if you do that, yeah. what are you going to achieve? Exactly. You, go for, you go for it, and you go for it the best you possibly can. I, do, I can't do things by halves. In my personal life, you know, it's like I taught myself to play the guitar at 45. 
I'm now teaching myself astrophotography. As you it, do. As one does. Yeah. It's lifelong ambition. You know, it's, and I do it, and I do it the best, best of my ability. And that kind of translates itself into work. So I noticed when you were talking and using the selection of words, you didn't use the word disabled at all, but I think we've already touched on that a little That's bit, right. haven't you? Yeah, so, the, so as I, said, I think we have talked about it. There's fact that being disabled isn't part of my identity. Mm. If I reach a point in life where maybe I have to have a colostomy bag and, and things, maybe at that point, you know, it's, it's as, as, as my conditions evolve and the barriers I face increase, at that point I might do. I, I always tick the disability box when I'm applying for a job. Yeah, I always have done as well, actually. Mainly because I think mm. back in the early days, it was kind of like you'll be guaranteed an interview and I kind of yeah. think, well, I hope they'll honour that. Yeah, so it's interesting. I do that if there's, I don't tick the guaranteed interview scheme box. But the reason I tick the disabled box is because I feel I have a duty to step up to the plate. And for, so uh, uh, if an employer is interviewing me, then I, I feel I should be contributing to their disability stats. Because okay. there are differences about me. Yeah. And I, and I do have challenges in, in, in certain respects. So for me to just completely deny it wouldn't be right, but I'm not looking for any... Uh, positive actions coming out of it. You don't need any adjustments or anything apart from your hospital appointments you mentioned? No, I don't need, I, um, no, not really. Um, my adjustments, my wife proofreads everything for me. <laughs> so, I have a triage system when it comes to, to, to writing. So if I'm writing, and this is what I tell employees who I work with, yeah. triage the importance of what it is you're writing. If, if what you're writing is really informal, over, over the partition stuff with colleagues, don't worry about it, you know, typos, whatever, doesn't mm. matter. If you're writing something slightly more formal, maybe use some text-to-speech software to read it back to you, yeah. do it yourself. If it's really important, get a human to proofread it for you. Mm. So, And that's exactly what I do, because I'm notorious, my wife can testify to this, of being able to mix up sentences and leave words out of sentences, and I just can't spot them. I'd, I've been told I've, I'm a great writer and I really enjoy writing, mm. but boy, can I put some bloopers in there, you know? So, so adjustments, having a human proofreader, I need my time off for medical appointments. I don't really need anything else around the neurodifferences. I've got my coping strategies, which includes r- running out of networking events if the pressure gets too much. <laughs> I've done that in the past. That's fair enough. We all have our own coping <laughs> yeah. strategies, don't we? And you're talking about as well how kind of... You don't know how your health is going to continue yeah. and whether things will get worse yep. or better and whatever. How do you think, you know, your sense of identity and how you've identified over the last, let's say 20 years, shall we go, has oh, changed? Okay. Now, yes, there is an interesting thing there. That, you see, I used to think that I was just very left-handed. So, as a child, I really struggled with sports. And I think it was a combination of being probably dyspraxic in terms of physical coordination, but also... Yeah, I've got asthma. Now, that was never diagnosed as a child. I've got eczema, eczema was diagnosed. So I think I had everything playing against me, and I didn't like football. So, you know, it's kind of really challenging. So, as a child, I just thought I was very left-handed. So I was clumsy, I had trouble with, with spellings, and my short-term memory was rubbish, and it would take me forever to write stuff. I was so slow. And... I went through life like that, and, and the clumsiness thing, I tell you, I mean, who else would go out, take their dog for a walk, playing ball with the dog, kicking the ball, and end up kicking their own legs so hard, they end up with a trip to A&E. I mean, this, this is like uber clumsy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. But it wasn't until I attended a presentation by uh, British Dyslexia Association when I was at Lloyd's, and they walked through how dyslexia manifests itself. 
And I was going, blimey, I do that. I do that. And it was like a huge sense of relief because I thought, for what I now know that I'm just not stupid or clumsy or extremely left-handed. There's probably a wiring difference going on here. And I've never been diagnosed, but for me, that knowledge that my brain works in a slightly different way was a great comfort. I felt differently about myself because of that. So if any employee or friend or colleague, whatever, says, should I be tested for dyslexia? My answer is, will you feel better because of it? Mm. Because we can certainly help you without that diagnosis. But if you feel more comfortable in your own skin, go for it. I think it's interesting, if you look back 20 or 30 years ago, people were reluctant to give people that diagnosis of having dyslexia. Now, they're very keen. If it's borderline, I know my brother in the 80s was diagnosed with borderline dyslexia. These days, they would just say, yeah, you have dyslexia, and there'd be no question about it. So it's interesting how that's changed, I think. And also, for me, this has been like uh, a a journey, because I, I, I will share with you the fact that probably 20, 30 years ago, I used to think that dyslexia was just illiteracy. I, and I thought that ADHD was bad parenting syndrome. You know? Yeah, and I think you know, it's amazing how that's evolved and moved on and our understanding Absolutely. has increased. And I, don't, I feel a bit ashamed saying that, but I think it was fairly common back then. So, uh, so yeah, shock horror. I'm probably dyslexic myself. My son's got ADHD. And of my four children, he's the only one who has, and we've been pretty, I think, good parents. Fairly consistent, I'm exactly. sure, yeah. So, it, so I guess coming back to your question about how my identity has changed, I think that damascene moment when I thought, I'm not just extremely left-handed or silly, there's a reason for this, was a big thing. In terms of my physical health condition, I think that, that will probably, as I say, the, the, the trajectory is that I will probably have to have a colostomy at some point. Mm-hmm. So right now, I just don't have a large intestine. They literally join the two ends together kind of thing. If I have to have a colostomy, then that brings a whole set of new challenges. And I'll have to use accessible toilets and such things, you know? At that point, maybe my identity will change a little bit more. Mm, yeah, it'll evolve, won't yeah. it? So, actually, this ties in really nicely. If you're thinking back, is there anything that you would tell your younger self now? Oh, from where you are at this point, you go, <laughs> young Graham, this is what you need to know. Oh, I, I would say to young Graham, phase one whippy, I'd say, light up a bit, matey, God's <laughs> sake. I, I, I think my message to my younger self, and I'd say that in all seriousness, I was bullied quite badly at school. I was bullied for the way I spoke. I, I, my, my diction was such that I would not be a miss in the crown. And I was born in Gravesend. And I spoke, like, we were going on the train. Very posh. Very posh. Lovely. I was bullied remorselessly for that. And I think because I wasn't sporty. And I was also, I was very articulate, very sharp, a bit arrogant, kind of kid. You know, they form a cue to slap, and they did, including the teachers. Yeah. I would, I, I would want to go back to my younger self and say, right, there are things about you that you can help yourself, okay? Lighten up a bit. Don't be so arrogant. Don't, don't try and be the clever one all the time. Use your differences more appropriately. Mm. And actually try and blend in a little bit better, okay? But value your differences. I would also say to my slightly older, younger self when I was at university, you, you will be recognised for being different anyway. You don't have to dress differently to do it. I used to wear, I used to wear a jacket and tie as a student. I know I was so stiff it was. I was wondering which way you were going to go then. No. I was wondering, was it going to be the punk? Oh, Graham? punk or new romantics? Yes, no, that's, that's what I was thinking. Thought. Or no, so you just went very smart. I was very did smart, you? and I stood out because of it. Yeah. And and, I, and part of that then kind of led into me getting a job as an undergraduate doing lecturing. 
in computing, and that's how I got into disability. I was teaching blind physiotherapists how to use computers. But I'd say to my younger self, you don't actually need to dress differently to, for your differences to stand out. So just chill a bit, for God's sake. You'll spend a lifetime wearing a suit. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, don't need to start don't a do it when you're at uni, for yeah. goodness sake. <laughs> Lovely. Well, do you know, Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank Likewise, you ever thank so much you. for joining us for this uh, podcast series. It's been fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. This podcast series is sponsored by Open Inclusion, helping business be beautiful, inclusive and effective. Find out more at openinclusion.com.